0: Welcome to the third rewind episode This in this string of, of uh, 50% Facts, where we're looking back to some previous episodes uh, while I am away on vacation. This particular episode is from March of 2019, so about four years ago-ish, um, with Dr. Andy Galpin, talking about... Uh, he was specifically talking about heat and cold shock proteins. Um, uh, the, the cold plunge has not gone away in the last four years. No, it's effect, probably gotten more popular. It's probably gotten more popular. I, I don't. so is Galpin. Yeah, and so is Galpin. Yeah, he
1: just had a big, uh, series on Look. the Huberman podcast, um, a friend of ours or in the industry for a long time. I think we first probably cross paths with him, uh, cause he dabbled in the CrossFit space yeah. with some nutrition and helping those athletes. And then he dabbled, um, obviously he's just a high level, uh, coach and educator on all things fitness, but, um, works with MMA fighters and people similar in our circles. Uh, and he's a meathead himself. So he, you know, is very dedicated to the barbell in the gym. So we kind of cross paths with him, uh, that direction, but, um, I don't think the science has changed on this, so hopefully this is all still up to accurate and Andy still backs it up because uh, he is a good
0: scientist and will uh, maneuver his views as science unveils itself to us. Yeah, he's not somebody who um, locks into a particular view and then expects that always to be the case. He's actually a good scientist who knows that um, everything is based on our current knowledge and not um, things we can't know or things that we can't be sure of yet. Um, Yeah, quick
1: synopsis of this bitch. I talk about it all the time and people try to argue me because TikTok people are idiots. Um, But the cold plunge is something great for recoverability. um, But often when you're training in something like a strength sport or any sport really is what we're looking for is adaptability. Um, And that may blunt some adaptations uh, and hypertrophy and endurance, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, cold plunge and heat heat shock's a little different, but cold plunge in particular has – Many applications, uh, but it's just majority of folks are using it incorrectly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there are people who are using it very um, with a religious fervor that I don't understand. Um, But that's true of almost every trend in fitness: is that somebody has adopted it adopted it as a religion? And
1: uh, yeah, it's just a little like gatekeepy elitist. It's kind of like the grind set folks that just like kind of a tough guy deal or like a elevated sense of self. I cold plunge and therefore I am more spiritually whatever. Um,
0: I did see an, an influencer yesterday talking about how she uses um, cold plunge to like make her nervous system more resilient. And I don't think that that's necessarily what it does. And it's yeah. not really the, it's not really why you're doing it. I so. think
1: the, the cold plunge, when I read people do content on it, it's very similar to CBD uh, circa like 2015, where like... And we had another great episode if you guys want to scroll back. I don't think we're revamping this one with Eric Helms on how to spot a gimmick. Um, I feel like
0: we should put that one out every quarter. Yeah, it's pretty
1: good Uh, because it just stands the test of time. Where, like, when one thing fixes 30 things, right everyone's like cold plunge benefits are like my mental health okay I would never argue that right because yeah. if it makes you feel good it makes you feel good whatever yeah then it's like immunity then it's like CNS resilience uh, <laughs> endurance uh, recoverability for my muscles the uh, toughness against the, uh, the list goes on for like 20 things you're like there's just no shot like because yeah. then you're Superman so you, you sit in ice and now you're Superman
0: and some of the same people who are are talking about cold plunge and are talking about um uh Hypothermic therapies, shit like that, are the same people who are telling you that you don't want to ice your shoulder after your pitch or ice your, right? You know, whatever,
1: because they are, yeah, it's the same thing.
0: Yeah, it's the same thing. Like we, we are built on the prostaglandins we create from, from work, from injury, from all that stuff. That's how we're, that's how our body recovers. the The cold actually sort of inhibits, um recovery
1: yeah yeah you want that inflammatory process to take take reins but again there is some benefit to it and it's just about when you apply it and hopefully you can learn a thing or two from uh, Dr. Andy Galpin.
0: All right um, Tuesday or excuse me Friday is a topic thunder and then next week we'll back we're back with a fresh episode as far as everything I mean as long as everything goes well and as long as I get back from like Europe and stuff so all right we'll talk to you next time.
1: Drink a bunch of. uh, Off podcast. (laughs) Drank a bunch of Crown Royal the other day. Oh, yeah. Way better than I remember. (laughs) Maybe just because I've been drinking Jameson or something. It's not like I drink all the time, but like if we go out every other weekend, you Uh know, it'd be like a Jack and Coke or something. Uh And then had a shot of Crown. I was like, fuck. I didn't think I knew the differences. But when I took that Crown, I was like,
0: damn, that was pretty good. I haven't had Crown. I haven't had a whole lot of Crown, period. But uh, that the the Lexus lounge at the arena yeah it's decorated with crown
1: yeah they do pretty good marketing but it's they're they're like a higher everywhere. end
0: right they're kind of like the patron like i know patron's
1: known as like a good tequila but not if you're a tequila guy it's not the best it's not the best yeah right but crown's like that like if you're not a if you're not a whiskey guy it's a safe decent it's option it's a safe defen- decent decent yeah.
0: option if you're not a whiskey guy and they do some flavors and stuff like yeah. that and if you're into that kind of thing and that makes it easier for you to get you know I mean this could be on whiskey. the podcast I guess who gives a fuck but uh
1: <laughs> I uh I took my first shot I, I, it sounds crazy and don't judge my parents you fucking dickheads out there <laughs> uh my grandpa I guess was known for crown royal like I guess he maybe drank it a lot but uh, I, I don't know my family it's hard because my dad never drank really uh, okay. I had wine with him like twice maybe yeah. um And my mom never really drank. I think she had some beers here and there, but not like when I was a kid. I think when they just became parents, like they're kind of an old school thought. And they're like, all right, we're not going to curse anymore and we're not going to do these things, Mm -hmm. Uh, which probably didn't end up great because I'm fucked up. But uh, (laughs) so my dad never really drank. None of my aunts really drink but a lot of their kids drink Uh, they're all in you know the Midwest I think it's just a thing right you just drink a bunch of Budweiser all day every day Um, but at my grandpa's funeral I think I was maybe 10 or 12 and everyone's just fucking slamming crown royal everywhere and so they gave me like one or two shots Uh as a fucking 12 year old and I just remember like oh my god like you're drinking poison. Like, that's when
0: it actually tastes like poison. Yeah, you know, it does. It does taste like that when you're a kid. You don't have the, the 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 taste buds for it. My um my wife's family did the same thing when her grandfather died, and it but it was wild turkey, oh. which really is like poison. Ke- yeah. yeah, kerosene. It's like yeah, it's like uh, um kerosene or something. Yeah, you know? it's like really bad uh yeah for sure
1: yeah it happens i don't know and but, but having crown the other day i was like man this really ain't bad and, and the other thing uh it's keep shocking. we we talked about uh, uh taste buds all the time because we had my mom on here for olive oil You guys check that episode and different things and i don't know if it's genetics or who has g- good taste buds or not but i think i had um okay taste buds considering my mom does it for a profession But the older I get, like the more I think I love shit. Like I like coffee and I've drank a lot of coffee since I was probably 22 or so. I started drinking a lot of coffee eh, almost every day. But lately I've had coffee like, fuck, this is good. Like, yeah. I always liked it. I always liked it. Like, all right, that's pretty good. But same with like beers. I feel like, you know, you drink some Bud Light in college, you're playing beer pong, and you're like, yeah, all right, it doesn't taste great, but I'm, you know, I'm getting buzzed. And then you start to like, all right, I'll have one IPA a week. And like, all right, that's pretty good. And then you start to have like some good beers, you know, and you're just like, fuck, this tastes good. Yeah. Yeah,
0: for sure. Smell this.
1: Are we Are getting back into kerosene? What is this? All right, we got no. Glenn um, Morengi? More
0: yeah, get merengue, yes. There we go.
1: <laughs> Highland Single Malt Scotch Whiskey, the original, perfected by the 16 men of Tain.
0: Who are they? 10 years old? Yeah, I I, I could give you a glass if you decide you want some. Why is it afterwards. so light? Is that a thing? Y- it light color? Well, that doesn't smell bad. Yeah, this is my point exactly. It's all, And it will be good if you taste it. I'll you a glass if you want
1: it. I mean, I'll try it. I don't know but a whole glass. We're <laughs> doing a drunk podcast. What are we talking about today? We're talking about like uh, infrared uh, saunas and shit. Might as well, we need to talk about whiskeys. That smells pretty good. I didn't think it would. I'm I'm not a big hard alcohol guy. I'm not that big of a drinker, again, because my family really never really drank growing up. And then, you know, I just hear horror stories of cousins, friends, or family, friends being alcoholics. So I'd get a little, not scared of it, yeah. but just, I we'll definitely, just, we'll just a little bit. I definitely have an addictive personality, you know? And so like- I, I always am watchful with what I do. You know, like, I got pretty addicted to lifting weights. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched my line of taking performance enhancing drugs or competing or mm-hmm. dieting. To You know, I always watch my line. I'm, I'm as as addictive as I am to things. I'm also just as um, uh, self-aware, which has led me to not get into drugs or <laughs> other things. But um, I, I don't drink a lot of hard alcohol. I'll drink a beer. I'll drink a yeah. wine. um, if I'm trying to like drink and chill, maybe a gin and tonic or, or some bullshit. But uh, this does smell like sweet. Yeah, and, and it and it kind of is. You'll uh, hopefully my guy Ryan, uh, my boy Ryan. He's a little bit younger than me, twenty six, twenty seven. But he's insanely into whiskey. I went to his apartment in uh, <laughs> in San Diego, and he has like an entire wall of like the most expensive whiskeys you've ever seen. Like he collects yeah. some, he drinks some. He knows the name. He probably knows this. Like he's, he's just a big nerd. Oh yeah, I mean it's good. And it's not going to tear your face off. Yeah, that's the issue.
0: Sweetness. It's um, yeah.
1: I mean, it's still alcohol, but still alcohol. Like if you never had whiskey and you had that, you'd probably be like, "Ah, I don't know. But if you've had like, like I said, like a little bit of Jameson or Jack, which I don't mind. I like a little Jack and Coke here and there. But like you have that, and you're like, oh fuck.
0: I think Jack is a great mixer. Right. Yeah. I think I think it's a rough go. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah, what do people do? Just throw
1: this thing on ice and sip away. I like this glass
0: too. Uh, yeah, you can. You can if you like ice. You can, or you can, you know, a, a little splash of water. Yeah, sometimes yeah, it opens a little it up soda a little bit. water deal. Yeah, or just just
1: just still water even. Alluring complexity. I want to be a marketing guy for one of these things. They fucking crush Me it too. sometimes. Me too. Yeah. And it, the the flavor changes a little bit while it um a little air yeah a single malt whiskey of exquisite finesse and alluring complexity if anyone in the world ever explained me that way my personality oh, yeah. oh my god would i feel good about myself ah uh, me too goddamn alluring complexity
0: me too um wish yeah. i
1: haven't eaten today too i'm about to be hammered
0: drunk for this <laughs> for this podcast <laughs> we we poured just a, just a tiny bit but i walked into the grocery store in my neighborhood the other day It was a Sunday. Sunday, and they were doing tequila tasting, and they're like, basically handing me a shot when I walked in. It's kind of like, all right, okay, I'm I'm off to. I was going to a you know forty three year old man's laser tag birthday party. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, tequila sounds perfect. (laughs) Tequila, yes. Just actually, can I get that to go?
1: (laughs) Yeah, my mom's not huge into drinking, like I said, but she's uh, like we had her on the podcast, really big into Mm -hmm. olive oil and all Mm -hmm. these things, and she's now just dove in because she. Trained her palate a little bit, obviously, for a specific Mm -hmm. thing, but she's dove into, like, chocolate tasting, Mm -hmm. uh, coffee tasting. Mm -hmm. I think she might have done tequila or whiskey, even though I don't think she really likes either of those, but, like... It's kind of like you find it. It's kind of like powerlifting. Like, all right. Like, I squatted 500. Like, let me go flip this tire now. Mm-hmm. Like, I built some strength. Like, let's go fucking oh, mess right, around. right, right, So let's I think... <clears throat> testing. Kind of, kind of. I think she's Wanted like, all testing. right, I got this palette. I can f- find some flavors. Let's go see what these other experts are doing with this other cool shit. Right, or, right. Oh, yeah, I'm going to try a clean and jerk out
0: of nowhere or something. No, I can totally understand that. Um... Completely off of this topic, but it did something that happened in. Now that we're we're both in the same yeah. gym, but not all at the same yeah, yeah. time. Again, uh, I was in twenty four, probably two weeks ago with Chris, and we're walking through the cardio area, and I look over, and there was a guy on the stepper, and I could have sworn to God that he was eating a sandwich. I don't now, doubt it. I have I've seen some weird shit in 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 there, yeah, uh, including the annoying thing of people taking the elevator. Uh yeah, yeah is uh, so. Me
1: and Jim uh, work out at a commercial gym that's uh, dead middle of Sacramento. And although Sacramento, in the scheme of things, is pretty small, um, we were looking this up the other day. Uh, it was what's L A four million people or the Bay Area? I think is four three million Fun something like, like that. that. Uh, Sacramento's like five hundred thousand, and that's with our suburbs. Um, but we are the capital of California, and so we do have a decent downtown now. It's growing a lot. Mm-hmm. A bunch of new projects are popping up left and right. Hotels, they just announced the soccer stadium, got the green light. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just announced a whole new area. Uh, and we lived at a gym that's literally, what, three blocks from the capital? Um, and so people, fl- Diane. they fly in and out all the time for capital work, obviously. Yeah, half a block from the arena. Yeah, right next to, yeah. right next to the Kings Arena, and so there's stuff going on everywhere. Um, so you get a real mix of characters in there. Yeah. Um, from probably some senator i've never heard of yeah. politician lawyer guy to uh, you know maybe a half homeless guy you know like there's stuff oh, everywhere. Yeah.
0: yeah absolutely i think that that's a strategy for homeless people is that you you pay for a gym membership so you, gotta, you got some place to take a shower yeah, and 100%. brush your teeth and all this stuff and and you will occasionally see people Like, I don't understand the brushing of the teeth in the gym. I don't get it. I don't understand shaving things in the gym unless you're a homeless person. I don't understand that, but I see it all the time. Even the shower, like, I do understand the shower, but it's just not for me. Like, I guess if I'm commuting an hour...
1: Um, and I've never had to do that, uh, yeah. right? Like, but I'm always the guy that uh, sometimes I shower before a workout. I I like to shower. It's just a routine I built in from life. Uh, I shower right before an event, mm. so I showered right before a basketball game. Mm-hmm. Although it seems counterintuitive, it just wakes me up. Showered right before this podcast. Showered right before I stream. Right before a YouTube video, whatever, just wakes me up. Um, and but then after the gym, I'm just driving home. Right. I, I understand if you have to go to work out of the way. Like, I get the thing, but I don't want that. I want to feel comfortable. I don't want to have to worry about funguses on my feet. I don't have to worry about, you know, the shower curtain. I don't I don't know. It just all feels kind of grimy to me. Gym showers seem sketch. Gym,
0: um, like hot job jacuzzis, well, those so that's are what, sketch.
1: That's what my story is leading into this next topic. We're talking about uh, infrared saunas. Yeah. I think saunas in general, and then maybe ice baths. We're going to talk uh, to Andy uh, mm-hmm. Galpin about all these things. He's kind of studied them and, and some of their benefits. But my first experiences were at a commercial gym, but gymming i feel like in 2000 you know 1999 to 2005 was a lot less common Mm -hmm. there's less just people Mm -hmm. uh, into fitness and then two the gyms i went to were commercial in a way but they were local commercial there's only like six of them right um and so me and my friends or we'd go to my friend's like club He was part of like a tennis club um which sounds like super fancy for those that never been one but there's tons of different styles of them you know like it's not like a fancy golf club like it's still maybe a couple hundred bucks a month but it's not insane so it's nice but it's not next level uh, and we would just like work out or play basketball and then we thought like a steam room or sauna was cool you know yeah. like you just hop in there you sweat a little bit it feels kind of nice on your skin you get to relax and you just kind of dick around and talk mm-hmm. um, but yeah this downtown one I've, want, I've, been, I've been having an urge for a sauna one because I've seen some of the information coming out on it two because I do find it very relaxing and I think it, it feels good to sweat mm-hmm. um, mentally I feel good uh, but I have nowhere to go because they're just so grimy and I yeah. don't – not yeah. only like the actual grimy because who knows who's been there in the wood and the moisture. It just feels yeah. a little weird with strangers. And then two, um, leaving – you know, you're leaving all dripping wet. Like I, I need one at home. Uh, and I know there's some pop-up ones and, yeah, and things of that nature. Yeah, they do for home. Yeah. yeah,
0: but I don't know. Until they sponsor this podcast, I'm not getting one. <laughs> I think the Sturetts have one at home. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, and, and for me – I think that like early on, those dry saunas, was like, well, like, how long can you stand it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it turns into a little bit of a guilt game. But now uh, we got people who are uh, taking ice baths in their uh, converted chest freezer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they're going to these cryo centers that. Cryos popped up. That's another question, I guess, we could ask Andy Grab
1: because everything I've read on cryo is pretty false. Yeah, visible. I'd,
0: I'd uh, for, from my personal perspective, year, several years ago, probably six, seven years ago, I was having a tendon problem in the back of my knee, and I was willing to do anything to try to solve it, and I ultimately got PRP, which helped. Yeah. Uh, but I bought a Groupon package from one of those cryo places, and basically, instead of doing a full body thing, I said, you know, like, how many times could I come back for this spot on the back of my calf? And it was really cold, and it would... F- it would feel better for an hour or so yeah. afterwards, but it it wasn't it, it wasn't sustainable at all. Yeah, and
1: I think a lot of Andy's talk and what we'll probably dig into this podcast is just like general health recovery, um, things of that nature with infrared. But like, it's a whole nother conversation. Uh, we're gonna have an, another guest on soon that might have some topics on this because I know for a long time there was like pop. Um, Doctors and hospitals and whatever would kind of have one path, and then like chiropractors, acupuncturists, PTs would have another path, but just hot and cold therapy in general um, for more like a, a dedicated location, like you're talking about, for injury, uh, long-term,
0: short-term, uh, how to kind of treat those things, too, might be a topic we, d- we dive into. And uh, the, f- the first time that I um, uh, heard Andy, I guess when he was on uh, Rogan, was maybe the first time that I really heard him, he was talking about you know heat shock and cold shock proteins, and that's kind of the real question. It's like, is that something we should be concerned about? And what do they mean? And we should be should we be stimulating them? And then I saw just the the other day them talking about um, that if you have a routine around heat or cold or contrast showers or whatever, so that you're doing it all the time, maybe your body stops yeah. producing these adaptations.
1: Yeah, because it adapts too soon. And, and, and I think too, uh, on top of that, what's the actual not what the benefit is, but what percent is actually going to help us, right? Because we could talk to somebody who loves fucking creatine and they're going to tell us all these benefits of creatine. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like, depending on how you adapt and some genetics, like, it's giving you a 0.5% boost in your bench yeah. press. Like, it's really not doing that much over time. And so, is this something that it's fun and it's exciting to find new information on things that might help that show mm-hmm. a real positive uh, uh, result in anything? Because there are so many benefits. BS products and BS supplements and BS routines and all the you know tummy tucks and diet teas mm-hmm. and there's so much bullshit out there. So when science can prove um, and our experts really th- believe in in some kind of modality, it is insanely exciting. But at the end of the day. If you can't, you know, have a balanced diet, if you're not going to the gym consistently five times a week, if you're not consistently getting your sleep in, if you can't put this whiskey down, if you mm-hmm. have all these other issues, eh, do you really have to worry about this cold tub and infrared? And, and and people always say, well, like, oh, well, maybe our best athletes, our best athletes have the same issue we do. Uh, Michael Jordan yeah. was supposedly a fr- freaking alcoholic. Uh, how many people yeah. in the NBA do you think actually get the sleep they need and the nutrition they need? I don't think they do. So should the, even Dwayne Wade and LeBron James be worrying about this tub? Or, or or should we worry about these other things first? Because you can't really put a percentage on the benefit of good nutrition and sleep because it's everything. Yeah. And so I, I, I love that, that Andy and these guys are excited. But I'm really interested in, yeah, what kind of the shock, you know, heat protein uh, may be involved. What it may actually do because I've also heard um, this – talking about we had another muscle fiber episode talking about growing new muscle fibers mm-hmm. or um, converting I believe actually muscle one and two one um, the other. yeah uh, with peds is possible and some of these therapies might do it but what percent is it actually gonna help me um, because we have so many other issues to cover
0: <laughs> yeah exactly and it and is it a psychological thing right uh, be, as part of a larger plan do people need um, ritual sure around it to help them reinforce their good habits, which, I mean, mean, which is great,
1: right? I, if I go to the gym, I do my, Sam, I'm an MMA fighter. I do all my grappling. Then I go do some cardio. I come back, I do some striking and then I do some lifting weights and then I'm hopping in a sauna and I feel relaxed and I know my day's over and it's time for me to go to bed mm-hmm. afterwards. Hey, power to you, right? Everyone needs a routine like mm-hmm. that. My routine right now is, you know, similar, wake up, gym, cardio, emails, podcast if we have it, work if I have it stream for six hours and then i got to get my one episode of netflix in and when i know what i turn (laughs) i know when i turn on netflix like all right it's almost bedtime and then my my routine's ready and then i could fall asleep if i didn't have that i couldn't fall asleep and if i didn't get my sleep i'm fucked up i'm sure we could run some kind of study that shows netflix helps my recovery why (laughs) because it's built into that routine right so i want to know um what 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 yeah what 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 scientifically percentage is is this needed and then who should maybe even pay, pay attention to this what 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 small percent or large percent of common athletes should be paying attention to something like this?
0: That's a good question. All right. I think we're going to jump in with the doctor. I know you like to sit in um, in extremely cold water sometimes, and I know you like heat sometimes. And you were the first person I ever heard use the expression uh, or the, the terms heat shock proteins and cold shock proteins what mm-hmm. what are those, and does your body stop reacting if things like ice bath or dry sauna or whatever become part of your routine?
2: That's really good. Heat and cold shock proteins. It's actually funny you mention that. I am eight to twelve inches right now away from my ice bath. Yeah, just happen to be standing here when you asked that question, so that's very interesting. But uh, those two uh, we have cameras on. Are, you. <laughs> you. It was, I know it was you NSA. I <laughs> earlier I taught you guys now the the proteins are one of the few in molecular biology that are named apropos uh, in other words the naming actually makes sense to the function so it is a heat shock protein this is a protein that responds to ready for it ready for it cold heat it, heat ha ah! fuck <laughs> I need to go back to school god damn it And cold is no different. So, if you shock or stimulate the body with these temperature perturbations, these proteins become activated. After that, they have a whole host of downstream uh, responses and and activities. And this is actually goes back to our conversation regarding intermittent fasting, where we talked about autophagy a bit and the fact that it doesn't, molecules, proteins, genes, cells, they don't have a single function. And so people like to bastardize them by saying things like, oh, mTOR causes muscle growth or testosterone causes muscle growth. No. One of the things testosterone does is cause muscle growth. It also does a thousand other things. Heat shock and cold shock proteins are the same way. And so you could say, okay, turn on my heat shock protein, and that is associated with an increase in autophagy well, sure, but it's also associated with a whole host of other things. Uh, just a couple of steps away from mTOR, for example, mTOR is one of the signaling proteins that causes muscle growth, a couple of steps away from that, it actually blocks muscle growth. Hmm. And, and so the same exact thing is both increasing and decreasing. It just turns out that in that case, the net is almost always muscle growth. Well, cold heat shock proteins are uh, a similar thing. We are far more ahead in our understanding of things like mTOR and muscle growth than we are things like heat shock proteins, cold shock proteins, uh, the vast majority of the research is still in animals, rats, urines, or cell culture. Uh, we have some good evidence in humans, but we, we don't understand those things to the level we do uh, things like, again, muscle growth and testosterone. Uh, so there's still good information in there, but that's a long-winded answer.
0: Does your body's reaction change if that becomes a regular thing? Uh, did you
2: stop provoking oh, yeah. that reaction? So I actually forgot to say this when we were also talking about intermittent fasting. But this is, I am in disagreement with many of my contemporaries, friends, colleagues, and business partners on this topic. So intermittent fasting may kick off some autophagy or some other things, uh, say increases fat burn But this is simply mostly due to either an overall calorie restriction. So the amount of autophagy or anti-inflammatory processes to something like intermittent fasting, we don't yet know if that is because of intermittent fasting or is simply because you reduce calories. We know the vast majority of benefit from intermittent fasting is explained almost fully by fat loss. And so if you're able to put someone through an intervention who loses 20 pounds of fat, that is going to be so much more important for anti-inflammatory, autophagy, cancer prevention than the intermittent fasting one. So, um... I'm not saying there's nothing at all special about intermittent fasting. There may very well be. It could be. But it's the uniqueness of the intermittent fasting is probably pales in comparison to the overall effect of caloric restriction or the overall effect of reduction of body fat. Well, the same thing applies to the thermal treatment. So if you are consistently getting extremely hot and extremely cold, you're no longer going to activate these shock proteins the same extent that you did. If you look at all the literature on these thermal stresses, a huge percentage of them that are inhuman, which is also a small percentage of the overall literature, a huge percentage of those are very, very short durations, so typically two weeks or less. Mm-hmm. And they typically do interventions like, okay, you spent a total of two hours a day in the ice for 13 days or something extreme like that. We're like, okay, I get it to show mechanism to show concept here. But this is not how people use them. And what happened after a couple of months when you got used to it? Well, it's no longer as big of a shock. Now, I have had this nice bath in the back of my house for a couple of years now. I can still tell you, equivocally, every time I get in that 28-degree water, it's still fucking cold. (laughs) (laughs) All of a sudden, like, oh, it feels like a warm bath. That shit is cold as hell. But, uh, yes, of course, it will be diminished. So I do not think... uh, we should be, in most situations, ice bathing every day. I don't, I don't think we need to heat every day. Uh, I'm also not a, nearly as big a proponent of sauna as other people are, uh, especially for my fighters. Um, if, I don't know if you, guys, if you guys have ever done jiu-jitsu, but if you put a gi on and do an hour and a half of jiu-jitsu, it's easy. They'll lose five, seven pounds of water. Yeah, easy. I don't think there's anything magical to the sauna. I think the magic comes in being hot for a long time and sweating a lot. Mm. I think there are some unique physiological benefits to simply sweating a lot. And so uh, for those individuals, I'm like, no, we don't need to sauna um, most of the time. You, you, you sauna three times a day, is basically.
1: Yeah, you can just move around. However,
2: yeah, I have worked with many people, business, business executives and things like that, where I'm like, hey, you know what? I know you only exercise once a week. If we do pop in a sauna a couple other times a week, that might be really, really, really good for you. Mm. Because I know you're not doing anything else. Oh. Or, or hey you can get in there let's do one of your meetings in the sauna okay great I'll do that well that, that's a win so I think it's a good my grandpa Just had my grandpa get a sauna I know he's not going to exercise he's never ever exercised he don't know what to do it'd be so hard to get him started. he doesn't live in the same state as me I can't be there to help him so I'm like hey just get a sauna and get in there three or four times a week and he loves it so to me I think that will actually have huge impact on his health but there's, there's something that's very very different in giving something to an 85 year old who doesn't exercise and thinking that's going to carry over to a 27-year-old powerlifter, man. Oh, come on. We got ex- we got to express a little bit of critical thinking skills here.
1: What um I know you said there's probably not a lot of research or uh, pure definition on the human uh for the hot and cold uh protein shock proteins, but if you were to do an extreme amount within one or two weeks, perhaps for extra recovery or or whatever. Oh yeah. What what I mean, there's probably not a percentage involved, but is it something more like supplements? Like, all right, this I might feel like the smallest boost ever, like creatine, or is this going to feel uh, and make a real difference in my performance or recovery?
2: It could do both. Uh, I, I will use them for sure a lot. Um, I got you know three fighters competing the next handful of weeks, and I'm trying to get them all in the ice bath uh, three times a week. I mm. would say six days a week, but they won't do it. Mm. Uh, so I'm, I'm fighting for two or three. So no, I think it's uh, just, just like an American fastball. I'm not against it at all. I'm, I'm for proper use. Very close to competition, I think, is a very, very good time to go ice bath every day if you can you a sucker all the time, right? It's only going to help. How much will it help? Well, it sort of depends on the person and the sport and stuff. But, yeah, um, I think during those periods of time, it's probably a noticeable improvement.
1: Yeah, but it probably won't hurt if you're applying it correctly and kind of only doing it during the most intense part of training camp kind of deal.
2: Ooh, so that's where I disagree. Hmm.
1: So you think it will hurt if you do it in training I, I camp with the
2: uh, oh, oh now okay. So now you just you maybe have to
1: maybe, maybe I misspoke. Maybe I misspoke. Go ahead.
2: Um, because let's remember, if we're blocking inflammation and we're blocking stress, well, those are the signals that cause adaptation. And so I would not do things like an ice bath. I would not take anti-inflammatories or antioxidants or extremely high antioxidant. Uh, well, foods are fine, but supplementation, during an intense part of training camp. Because the point of intense training is to induce adaptation, and if you then circumvent that recovery process, you block those signals to adapt. Now, when you rephrase the question you said at the end of training camp, well, then I agree with you. So if it's during your, your accumulation phase, your adaptation phase, then I don't think you want to go excessive. Uh, recovery. Uh, I would say the same thing for Normatech, the same thing for um, Mark Pro or any of the other modalities. If you're try- if the point of your training is to induce and accumulate uh, stressors, then don't circumvent that by cutting out the stress. But at the end of your training camp, when you're very close to competition and you're not now accumulating stress, now you're trying to peak. This is when you want to roll out all these recovery strategies.
0: That that makes sense. I've known more than one powerlifter, probably more than um, dozens of powerlifters who relied very much on anti-inflammatories in the course of a training cycle because they were just in pain, and mm-hmm. I never really understood that because uh, they are not getting that adaptive response, right? I mean, you're, yeah. you're blocking it.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, now keep in mind, you always have to take it in context. So if they're in so much pain that you're like, well, okay, if I don't take these, I can't train today.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, if you blocked 10% of the adaptation by taking Advil, well, 10%, you know, 90% still higher than 0% from not training. Right. So it's, it's, it's there's always a pro uh, you know, given a take here. Right. So you can't take that and go too far with it. Uh, so it's kind of a balance. It's like, well, can I get away with it today? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think I can Skype. Okay, go ahead. No, I can't. Okay. Well then go ahead and light it up and, can we use another trick? Can we do something else? Can we extend our warm up? Can we do um, uh, can we do a massage? Can we do a different exercise variation that doesn't inflame the the place so bad? If those aren't an option, then maybe you roll that welcome and we get going.
0: To shift gears, another thing that's come up to to us lately, we've been pitched the idea of doing something on hot yoga. Um, what about we're, we? Were, we've been talking about like sitting in a sauna and uh, not exercising while just sitting. And I, I understand that this is probably a, a case where context is important. If someone is um, is someone is actually active and then they're using, you know, sitting in a dry sauna, and that's one strategy. Or if they're using something like hot yoga, uh, I'm assuming those things are going to be different.
2: Uh, yes, but it depends on which marker you're talking about. So if you want to look at like heat shock protein, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's indiscriminate. It doesn't matter. It, heat shock protein is going to be activated by temperature. So get to that temperature however you want. It won't mess. Other differences, though, would be something like, well, you know, potentially it's better for the joints. Potentially you can also work on a little bit of shoulder stability versus just sitting there and not doing anything. So it would be the other benefits that would be the difference but yeah it's like I said it's
1: depending on the marker you're looking at. But for heat shock uh protein's literally just temperature. doesn't. It doesn't matter if it's dry sauna whatever steam room like you mentioned maybe jujitsu whatever it might be. It's just kind of getting that temperature up.
2: Yeah in, the internal temperature not the external temperature. Just get hot. If you're getting super hot probably doesn't matter a
1: lot. Hanging out in Sacramento in <laughs> 110 degree in, weather this summer yeah.
2: Yeah I mean if you're down in Uh, Louisiana, and it's September, and you're wearing 40 pounds of football gear. Like, you don't think that's activating your shock proteins? Come on now. (laughs) So that's what matters: the internal temperature change, how hot's your body getting? That's what kicks them on.
0: And cold. So let me ask you this question: If you're sitting in an ice bath, how long do you have to be there before it starts affecting your core temperature?
2: There are several trials have been done on this, and we have run some initial pilot experiments here with them, it depends on the temperature of the ice bath. Hmm. If you're sitting in a 55 to 50 to 55 degree bath, like most athletic training facilities and places like that keep their ice bath, uh, you're going to have to be there quite some time for, before you'll notice measurable changes in core temperature. Having said that, uh, we've seen some pretty fast drops in body temperature in the, the sub-30 degree water. Um, it's not uncommon for us to see something like almost a degree per minute. Ooh. Uh, so you start spending five, six degrees uh, in there. It's not going to keep going at that rate, but uh, certainly a degree every couple of minutes uh, can happen. So you can get pretty damn cold internally pretty damn fast in sub-30 degree water. It's, it's different than 55. Mm-hmm. You can be there for quite some time. Well, what about these cryo chambers? Yeah, so they're, they're not going to do much for internal temperature.
0: That's kind of um, what I thought.
2: Yeah, so I'm not saying they're useless. Uh, they seem to be potentially equally effective for reducing muscle soreness, uh, but the the anti-inflammatory aspects, the other potential benefits, um, probably cold shock protein and certainly internal temperature, uh, they don't stack up with the cryos relative to cold water immersion. So uh, I typically don't recommend them unless it's a convenience issue or personal preference or if you're there for the sake of muscle soreness. Anything uh Can't get the damn cold water
1: anything you uh, think we missed in terms of uh, sauna and hot water or uh, cold water uh, bass
2: loads, man, loads of it, but
0: we can only take so many bites at the apple at a time
2: at <laughs> <laughs> some point I've got to get some work done today <laughs> absolutely
0: well, we definitely appreciate you being on, man. Uh, how can people find you?
2: yeah, sure, you can visit my social media the Twitter and Instagram at dr. Andy galpin and You can check out my YouTube channel and uh, my website, andygalpa.com, if you want to get your learn on and and, uh, see what the kind of stuff I teach in my university classes about strength conditioning, program design, nutrition, x phase, muscle physiology. I got a whole bunch of free videos up on the website and Patreon and kind of all over the place. So just search the Googles. I'm easy.
0: Here we go. All right. Thanks a lot, Andy. Yeah. Thanks for your time. You got it, guys. I am the Jim McD on all the social medias. Mike is Silent Mike with two Ks. You can find the show, 50% Facts, on Instagram and Twitter. Percent is spelled out like a word. We'll be back next week.